Good morning, Avenue Church. Good to see you. Good to see you. I got to tell you, I laugh every time. That's probably my favorite bumper video ever. It's very cute. So kudos to the team that created that. That was really fun. Uh, man, I am really, really excited to be here. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it, sometimes it's a little intimidating for me to be able to uh, do the first service and then try to do the second service again. Uh, and so uh, now, uh, so I was like, okay, got to get back in the thing. And I got to give it up again to the worship team. Thank you for making it easy to get fired back up again, right? So I can get back up here and do this twice because I know that God brought, uh, gave me a word for you. And so thank you to our team that does that, all the people in the Dream Team the ones that are watching the kids, all the support that we have. I have an, an incredible honor and privilege to be up here and speaking to you, and I can't do any of that without all of those other people uh, doing their thing. So give them, give them a round of applause. I love it. I also want to just uh, say thank you to Pastor Dave. Uh, you know, good luck to him, and we're praying for you where, where you are today. Uh, I'm so grateful for his leadership and guidance in my life and his friendship. Uh, I have so many great friends and, and supporters here at the Avenue. I could not do this. I could not do this without that family. And so, again, if you are new here, I get it. You're, you're kicking around. You're taking a look. Uh, welcome home. Because when you plant yourself in a place like this, it is extraordinary. It is astonishing to look out around this room and to see people that I have never seen before because I usually go to the first service. And uh, there's a lot of you, and that's a beautiful thing. So God is working and God is growing, uh, growing our church, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, I've really enjoyed this, this uh, series. Pastor Dave has done such a great job of dealing with some potentially awkward conversations, right? When you start talking about relationships and sex from the pulpit in a church, it's like, hey, that could be really awkward. Uh, and he's done just, God's given him wisdom uh, for how to deliver that message in a way that is so good uh, and has been so just healing in many ways and is so encouraging in others and no, not judgmental at all, but just a great opportunity. Uh, and it really puts me in a situation um, where God put a word on my heart for you today, and, uh, and I believe that he has called you here and he's called me here in this moment to speak to you where you are uh, and to, to take whatever next step is yours. So I'm really, really excited to be here. But before I get started, you need to know a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Aaron Tomhave, and uh, I am not a pastor on staff here. I'm an eighth grade math teacher. Woo! Okay. When you work with middle school kids, you never know what they're going to ask you. Uh, they do not understand social convention. Hey, Mr. T, how much money do you make? That's not appropriate. Uh, okay, appreciate it, but no. Uh, hey, Mr. T, how many pairs of boots do you own? I'm like, what do you do? Well, you wore different boots yesterday. Okay. The other day, one of my students looked at me and goes, hey, how long do you say you've been with your wife? And I was like, okay, well, it's almost 25 years. So my wife and I were introduced. We went out on a blind date on April 17th of 1999, and we have not been apart for longer than 10 days since. So almost, thank you, almost 25 years she's been putting up with me. And she was like, oh, okay. And then the awkward question, don't you get bored? And I was like, okay, kind of rude. <laughs> um, 
And then I thought about it and I was like, no, not at all. She goes, how? I mean, that's a long time. You're old. I'm like, it has been a long time. But here's what I realize. I'm not bored because she is not the same person that she was six months ago, let alone six years ago or 25 years ago. And by the grace of God, I'm not either. So there's nothing to be bored with because it is my honor and privilege and responsibility to grow with her and to love the person that God's calling her to be, not calling, her the, not calling me to love the person that she was 25 years ago, right? So that's how you keep that going. I'm not bored. There's always things to explore because God's working in her life, and that's a great thing. So when I come up here, folks, I'm bringing that perspective. I got a marriage perspective for you, and I'm gonna, uh, that's going to be part of this conversation, but that is not the only perspective I have. I also have a single college student who is a freshman at the Texas A&M University. Whoop. Okay. So I have a single college student. So I got 25 years with my wife and I've got uh, an almost 20 year old who is single. And then I also have a junior in high school who is dating. <laughs> so when I'm talking to you today, I want you to know from the, from the beginning I'm going to be honest. You're going to get the real me. I am not preaching to you because I've got this figured out. I'm preaching to you because this is what God's been preaching to me and working on in me. And I'm bringing this to you because this is what God's telling me to bring because I need to bring it into my marriage. I need to bring it into my classroom. I need to bring it to my daughter. I need to bring it to my son because that's what God's called me to do is to bring this message for all of you in all layers because the reality is if you don't bring it from the very bottom to the very top through every single type of relationship, whether you're married or you're single, you're divorced, you're remarried or whatever it is, God is working in you and through you now for what is coming right so this word today i'm trying to bring it as much as i can as broad as i can for as many people as i can because i believe that god brought us to this place in this series to talk about not just marriage relationships not just dating relationships but to talk about every relationship that we have with people including the ones that are our brothers and sisters in this church and the people that we uh, interact with in our jobs because those relationships all matter as well. So if we're going to get into it, I got to tell you, I can't take credit for this because Pastor Brandon said it in huddle last week, and it brings me to our sermon title for today. It is based on our movement, movement word of the year. Pastor Brandon last week said, am I willing to grow? Am I willing to grow? So that's where we're going to start, and we're going to move from there. Because everybody wants movement, everybody wants the result, but am I willing to grow as God's calling me to grow? So let's pray into it and let's dive in. Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful that you are in the room. Pray, Lord, that you would just refill me so I can share the word that you put on my heart for the people that are in this room, that it, was not, it is not my word, that it is your word, that it is not my authority, that it's your authority. The Holy Spirit, that you would work in the hearts of our people in this room, that you would open us to your leading, that you would help to guide us as we grow, help us to recognize where we fall short so that you can bring us through it. 
and draw us closer to you. Uh, Use this time, encourage us in so many ways. Thank you for all that you've already done, and thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do in us and through us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, if you know me, I'm going to get real, real quick. Yep, I'm not, I'm really not very good at small talk. <laughs> so we're going to, let's go to the first verse. Just going just gonna to rip the band-aid right off. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. I believe that we are living in a world that is an epidemic of immaturity. The world that we live in does not teach maturity. It celebrates immaturity. We have grown men playing video games aimed at junior high kids with elementary kids who shouldn't be playing it all at the same time when they should be spending time with their families or working or helping or supporting or growing in their faith. We live in a world where people are on social media and faking their life to the world because they think it's about what they show, not who they are. We live in a world that has easy access to anything and everything and almost no wisdom for how to use it for God's glory. And there's a new trend that I saw on uh, the Tiki Talk. I'm not a, yeah. It's a bunch of young professionals. They graduate from college. They're in their early 20s. They have never worked a day in their life. They get their first nine to five job and they're going on social media and they're going, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I have to work eight hours every day. I only get a 30 minute lunch. Oh, I can't live like this. I'm not kidding. Look it up. I was shocked. Yo, I mean, I know I'm a seasoned saint. Okay, I like a little salt and pepper. Okay, been around a while. I got my first full-time job at 13. I was working part-time when I was 11. So the idea that a 23-year-old could graduate from college with a bachelor's degree in whatever and have never held a job in their entire life just blows my mind. We, are not, we don't live to work. We work to live, and we live out our calling when we work. But if the world doesn't have that perspective, they cry about how hard it is. Yo, know, I'm a teacher. Young teachers coming out of college, like, it ain't what you think it is. This work is hard. And you better be ready. So if we live in a world that, that encourages immaturity, what do we do as believers when we're in the world, but we're not of the world? How do we respond differently? So I'm going to go back to the beginning. Pastor Dave started here too. and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'm just going to give you the highlights. and We're going to dig in. Because I think, look, when I was growing up, this was taught way too much and probably way too hard, okay? So I'm not going to go all the way there. I'm not going to go all like 80s Baptist on you, okay? But we're going to get into how, what this really looks like in life. But here we go. 
Genesis 3, verse 6, Eve eats the fruit and gives it to her husband who is with, here, with her. I'm sorry, that's a problem. Where was Adam? Where was Adam? He was where? He was with her. He was there. God gave, Ad, God gave Adam the command to lead and Eve the command to, to, to support and partner and Adam was there and he didn't stop her. Okay. Then, then they felt shame for the first time. And then Adam responds like a junior high kid. And Adam immediately blames Eve and God. Wait a second. Adam was standing there, and then he goes, well, it's Eve's fault because she gave it to me, and God, it's your fault because you gave me Eve. That does not sound like maturity to me. I'm sorry, but kids do that. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. He hit me first. No, come on. But he was there the whole time, and he responded out of immaturity. And the result of that sin is that a woman will desire to control her husband. The husband will rule over her. Notice it doesn't say partner with anymore. That partnership is broken. And then you will struggle to scratch out a living from the earth. In that fall, it took relationships and broke them. So now we are trying to live in a world with broken relationships and if we're trying to do it by ourselves in our own strength without God's wisdom and guidance and help, we are going to fail. We cannot have healthy relationships by ourselves. And that's so different. That struggle is so different from the grace and mercy and love and peace and kindness that God tells us about in the New Testament. So we have to find a way to get from the fall where it was broken to the grace and mercy and peace that comes in the New Testament. We've got to walk that journey. And I believe that the first thing we have to do is we have to deal with shame. Because see, right there, they felt shame. Shame is the stuff that sticks to you, that you drag with you everywhere you go. It is that the grossness that you feel inside when you know that what you did isn't what God called you to do, and you bring it with you everywhere you go. You bring it in a dating relationship, you bring it with you into marriage, you bring it into your marriage, into your home, and then you wonder why this is not working so well. Because you're dragging that junk with you everywhere, and it colors and it taints the way that you see every single relationship that God puts in your path. Every single person that you meet, every person you talk to, everyone you try to have a relationship with, it is tainted by the shame that you drag with you, and it covers your vision so you can't see what God has in store for them. So then we need to know how to deal with it. Romans 7, 24 and 25. <laughs> Oh, what a miserable person I am. Thank you very much. Have a great week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. 
See, when I am stuck in my junk and my stuff, and I'm dragging shame with me, I am miserable because I'm bringing death with me. But guess what? The word for slave in that verse is by choice. Am I choosing slavery? Am I choosing bondage to my old self? Because then, then I'm just holding on to it myself. God says, let it go. And I'm like, nope, this is what I know. This is what I'm comfortable with. And I just keep bringing it with me and bringing it with me and bringing it with me. And I'd be really sad and frustrated and depressed if that's where I ended. But then chapter 8 says, so now, so when, so now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I, you know what? Look, you know where you know where the end of chapter seven is in my Bible? It's right there, bottom right-hand corner. And if I was doing Bible reading and I only read to the bottom of seven, here's what: uh, the last thing I read is, "I am a slave to sin, but God." So now, wait, I am a slave to sin, so now, so now, God, because he comes in, he says, let it go. He says, release it. He says, I'll take it. He says, I'll clean it. He says, I'll get rid of it. You don't have to carry it anymore. It's your choice. You just have to turn it over to me. Like, wait a second. Is it that easy? Yes, it's that easy. Because you belong to Him. You belong to Him when you choose to follow Him. And that life-giving spirit frees you. See, here's the first thing you need to know. Number one, we're going to cover five facets of relationships. This is number one. I am not capable of fixing myself. I can't fix me. I don't I believe self self-help books are a lie. Because you can't help yourself. In your sinful nature, you cannot. If I'm in my spirit, I'm in my mess. But when God's spirit lives in me, I have his life. I have to choose. Do I choose my mess because it's what I'm comfortable with? Or do I choose his life because it's what God wants for me? Now, I'm telling you, we know this, right? This is a bondage of choice. This is why I think you'll hear statistics about marriages, right? So if a marriage ends because of toxicity of some kind, and that person gets remarried, the the odds of the second marriage going in a very similar way as the first are extremely high, unless something changes in the middle, Because see, if you are dragging your shame with you into the first marriage, then it ruins your first marriage. That doesn't mean God's done with you. If you're divorced and in this room, God's grace and mercy are for you because he wants you to let go of that shame, give you freedom in life, and that you bring that in. Because if you drag the shame into the second marriage, guess what's going to happen? 
the same thing. Because you're bringing the same tools into the marriage and not replacing it with what God has for you. And that is a bondage of choice. Folks, I told you, I'm going to poke you a little bit. Y'all have to choose just like I do. And you can't choose one time. You have to choose all day, every day, whether you feel like it or not. And y'all, seek help. Get in a small group. Get in a freedom group. Talk to the pastors. Talk to a counselor. Talk to a therapist. You are not designed to do this alone. But if you hide it in you, we're told to hide God's word in our heart, not hide our shame in our heart. He wants to replace our shame with his love. And all we have to do is choose. All we have to do is choose. So if I can set aside, I gotta set aside my ego though. Because see, here's the thing. If I think I'm right, I don't think I have to change. I'll say that again because this hurts just a little bit. Remember, I got it first. If I think I'm right, I don't think I have to change. That is not what, Bible, what the Bible says. And that is not what God says. Because all I'm doing is justifying myself in my own perspective for my own wants and desires. And that is the old me. And I really need to grow. Because do I value my relationship or do I value being right do I value growth or being right? Man, you, you, oh. And I'm bad at that sometimes. My ego gets in the way just like everybody else. It is hard to set it aside and to say, God, I humble myself. Because the deepest, grossest gut reactions that you get from me come from that place. They come from shame. And I don't want to live like that anymore. And I don't want you to live like that anymore. I don't want to live that way with my wife. I don't want to pass that on to my children. I don't want to pass that on to my grandchildren. I want freedom. So once I recognize that I can't do this by myself, that I need to start looking at the option or the opportunity to build capacity in myself and others. Now this is a little bit it's hard to be specific about this because it's kind of a general purpose thing. But if I'm building capacity in myself and others, I am creating room for myself and my relationships to grow. Right? I have to create space for me to grow and I have to create space for my wife to grow, for my kids to grow. That means sometimes you have to step back and give them room for them to grow. So what does that look like? James chapter 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. If you need wisdom, 
ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. In Luke 2, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. If Jesus had to grow in knowledge, in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and people, why in the world would we think we don't have to? Uh, Jesus had to grow. Man, if that doesn't make you go, I need to humble myself and recognize that I need to grow, God in the flesh, the living Word, had to grow and come to maturity before He could serve His purpose. So how do we do that? You have to ask yourself, do I consider, do you consider difficulty as an opportunity for growth? That is not always easy. Because there are times, we, my wife and I were just talking about this yesterday, where you, you have something that you're working with, and you're like, this isn't working. This is not working. And so you just discard it, and you move on to the next thing that doesn't work. Instead of saying, this thing's not working yet. What do I need to do to get this thing to work? Do I need to adjust it? Do I need to adapt it? Do I need to put new batteries in it? What, whatever the thing is, it doesn't matter. But are you, do you consider that difficulty, that challenge as an opportunity to grow? Or do you quit on the opportunity to grow because it's hard? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And is my ego in the way? See, I can't consider difficulty as an opportunity to grow if I don't think that the difficulty will help grow me because I don't think I need to grow because I'm right. I, I can't be right and grow. Not like that. You know what I mean. I'm not talking about doing the right thing. I'm talking about being right. Like I'm right, you're wrong. I'm not growing because my ego's in the way. And then do I build capacity in the other person in my relationships? One of my favorite things, one of my favorite things is seeing my wife grow into the person that God's calling her to be. And it is my responsibility as her husband to create space and opportunity for her to grow, to help her build capacity to grow. Because if you've known my wife, if you've known my wife for any period of time, she is not the same person that she was a couple of years ago. And to see her doing, like she's a boss lady, when you see the boss lady be boss lady, it's pretty cool. But that's not who she was five years ago. She had to grow into that, and I had to not be threatened by that. Right? So I have to create space because I love who God's calling her to be even more than I love who she is right now. And that's, man, that's... It's not easy. It makes me work. I have to work a lot harder. But you know what? I love my daughter more for who God's calling her to be at college right now than I love who she was in high school. 
I love seeing my son. Uh, we, we said it earlier, I've talked to Albert, you know, I'm so grateful for, for Albert and the youth and all those things because I see my son growing and if I try to control that and not give him space to grow, then I would have gotten in the way of what God's trying to do through Albert and my son. That's not my job. My job is not to get in the way. My job is to create space that is safe for him to grow and become the person God's calling him to be, for my daughter to grow into that role. I cannot control that, but I can love and support through it. That requires me to let go and trust. And endurance, folks, endurance takes time to train. Right? If, I, if I decided, clearly not a marathon runner, if I decided I wanted to run a marathon, I'm not going to go run a marathon right now. Even if I tried. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't make it out of the parking lot. I'm just being honest, okay? <laughs> probably need to work on my cardio. <laughs> but see, that, that doesn't mean I should quit today. But that means I got to run today, and I got to run tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and a little further, and a little further, and a little further. Because that's how you build endurance. If you want to build endurance, you have to do it over time and make it uncomfortable. Y'all, I know some of this is uncomfortable to talk about. Make it weird. Make it uncomfortable. Get real with it. Because if you don't, your parents, if you don't get uncomfortable and talk about uncomfortable stuff with your kids, they are hearing it at school. I know. I'm there. You know what I'm, the teachers in the room are going like, mm-hmm, you have no idea the stuff that our children talk about. And I'm like, ah, please stop talking about that. They are hearing it somewhere. Do you want to hear it from here? Do we want to hear it from you? Do we want to hear it from here? Or do you want to hear it from the world? Ooh. So we build capacity. We start working on this process. And then... We start taking steps for deeper faith, both apart and together. See, a lie that popular culture gives us says that a healthy relationship is 50-50. No, it's not. A healthy relationship is 100, 100, and God right in the middle. Because see, the Bible says that a man and wife, they'll leave their mother and father, they will join together, and the two will become one. That means her 100% and his 100% become one. That means her 100% is actually 50. If she only gives 50 and he only gives 50, they're only going to be 50. You can't survive in a relationship if you only go 50-50. It's got to be 100-100 and God in the middle because let me tell you something. If I was the same person now that I was when I was 25, we would not be married. It is by the grace of God and the work of God in me and through me and in my wife and in our home to deal with the stuff, to leave it all behind and become deeper people. Immature culture is not deep, it's shallow, right? It's five miles wide and one inch deep. I want deep faith. I want faith that goes down, that is strong. 
And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him. Into who? Into Jesus. And let your lives be built on Him. Who? Jesus, the cornerstone. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Y'all, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and Pastor Dave said this last week, we were taught some spiritual nonsense. I'm telling you. Am I following the traditions of this world because somebody on TV sounded official? And it's complete and utter, utter spiritual nonsense. But I don't have the discernment to not follow it? No, I want roots. I want roots that grow down. I want roots that go deep, that tap into the living word that is Jesus Christ, the water, the life. Give me roots. Give me roots, Holy Spirit. Let me go deep into it. Because listen, it's right there. If you do that, if your life is built on Him and your roots grow in Him, then your faith will be strong and you will overflow with thankfulness. That tells me I can't overflow with thankfulness until my roots are deep. So i got to get in and i got to get real and I've got to let it go deep. And that also means we can't live from a bunch of don'ts. We have to have replacements with do's that take away our don'ts. Right? The Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't just say don't do. He replaces it with a do. It says don't hate love. Don't be lazy work. Don't be shallow, be deep. Don't be foolish, be wise. It always gives us the opposite and says, leave the one thing behind and pursue the other because that's where depth comes from. You want deep character? That's where it comes from. You want a deeper life and relationship? That's where it comes from. It comes from planting your roots deep. And this, this place right here, this is where you do that. See, here's the thing. What is the root of deeper faith? It is persistence in your walk with Him. Persistence is not easy. But it's a choice every day. Do I choose to pursue? Do I choose to persist? Do I choose to keep going? Or do I sit back and be lazy? Number two on that thing, a root of... Deeper faith is gratitude. I cannot choose gratitude when I am in my own way, when I am about my own purposes, and when I am in my own perspective. The Bible says that we are to, be, we are to have gratitude for all things. Because all things work together for the good, who lo- good of those who love the Lord. It doesn't say it's all good. It's not all good. But we can have gratitude for the bad things because we know that the bad things grow us deeper. There's a reason why it talks about resistance and strength. 
My son and his buddy were in here. They're football players. They're big dudes. Do you think they go to the gym every day, grab five-pound weights, and go, no, they put heavy weight, and they get stronger, and they put heavier weight, and heavier weight, and heavier weight, and it is the resistance against it that develops the strength. You want to get stronger, you have to go through resistance. You have to go through the struggle. You have to walk through the muck in your relationships. You have to pull your partner with you. You have to, because it is through the resistance that we, de- that we develop that strength of character that allows us to continue to grow. Look, outside of my neighborhood, they're doing something, okay? And they cut down almost all of the trees except for that one row. You know what I'm talking about? What's going to happen the next time we have a storm? One row of trees is left out of a whole forest. What's going to happen? Why? Tall, skinny tree, little bitty root ball. See, it's always been protected by the whole forest around it. It's never had to stand on its own. So its roots are shallow and small. I do not want to be blown over by my circumstances because my roots are too shallow and my heart is too small. But I want deep roots. So then I choose to test and approve my faith by the word of God and the word of God alone. Because otherwise, I can listen to the pundits, I can listen to CNN, I can listen to Fox News, I can listen, or I can listen to God. I can't, I can't do both. You either test and approve it against God's word or you don't. I don't need nonsense. I got enough, I got enough nonsense in my life. I will bring my own nonsense. Believe me. I don't want to do it. So then that brings us to spiritual maturity. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow and the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never, never wither and they prosper in all that they do. John 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Folks, get planted in this church. Dig your roots down deep. Get connected to the word of God and the life giving power of the Holy Spirit in relationships with the people in this church. And then you will begin to grow. Then you will begin to mature. Because here's the funny thing. So I've, I've talked about this before and I love it. See, remaining is an active state. Uh, I, <laughs> you have to get cut off to be a branch that's connected to the vine. You get cut off and the Holy Spirit gets grafted into you and your roots grow deep and his tree grows fruit in you. It is about the Holy Spirit living in you and growing through you to produce that fruit, except for one problem. (laughs) I pulled this up on a website this week. When you buy a fruit tree and have it delivered to your house, this was the disclaimer. 
Because, I mean, I want fruit like now. Trees are one to two years old when shipped. Years to fruit begins counting after the trees are transplanted into your growing space. If you just got here, welcome to your growing space. Put down some roots. Get in a small group. Join with the people. Volunteer in the dream team. Get connected. Put down your roots. But don't think fruit's coming tomorrow. I am not a patient man. (laughs) I want fruit like now. I want to buy a fruit tree, plant the fruit tree, and be like, fruit. And God goes, that's not how this works. He says, you have to take time. So the next question is, am I committed to the time it takes to become mature? If it takes one to two years for a tree to produce fruit that was already one to two years old, are you investing five years of your life to produce good fruit for the kingdom? Or do you expect it to be tomorrow? They used to say it takes 21 days to start a new habit. Now the new research says it could take as long as 254 days. Guess when that is? That's November 5th of this year. If you need to get planted in a freedom group, you can start planning now for the freedom group that's in the fall because by November 5th it'll be done and you will already start to see the fruit. Because God wants you to plant your life in a church that you can build and grow and develop and mature so that you can grow, you can show His fruit. I don't want my fruit. I want His fruit. His fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, loving, self-control. I can do all of those things as a fruit of what He's already done in me if I will invest myself and commit to the time it takes. But I have to let go of my expectation that God's going to do what I want in my timing and I have to commit myself to his process to become the person he's calling me to be. And then we need to live with encouragement. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Isn't that a good word? Y'all, you aren't waiting for me to keep my promise. I'm not waiting for my wife to keep her promise. You're, You're only waiting on God to keep His promise, and He will deliver on His promise. He doesn't leave it sitting aside. He doesn't forget what He promised you. It says it right here. God can be trusted to keep His promise, but you got to commit to the time. He'll He will fulfill it in His time to true maturity to fruit to the fruit of the Spirit. So let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Question number five. Am I grateful for growth? See, I told you, I'll be honest with you, to a fault. Last Saturday, I had to work. I worked a long day. I was gone for about nine hours or 10 hours. While I was gone, my wife uh, cleaned out, emptied out and cleaned up the refrigerator. She emptied out the pantry. She did a bunch of work around the house. And I came home and I was tired and had every excuse not to. And I just walked in and I went, believe me, I had been working for nine hours. I went in the fridge, okay? I went in the pantry several times. And later she goes, didn't you even notice 
what I did for you. And I realized sometimes what I don't say is what causes the hurt. Because if I'm not choosing, looking for ways to be an encouragement first, I will miss an opportunity to bless my wife. And I will reap the negative consequences of not saying anything when I had the chance. So am I looking for ways to be an encouragement first? Or do I look for ways to complain or criticize first? Y'all, we don't need more criticism. We don't need more critical feedback. We need encouragement. There's plenty of people out there saying that what we're doing is a waste of time. You don't need any more of that from us. We need to love and encourage and support one another. And I love the, the uh, King James says, spur each other on. Like a little kick in the pants. I need it. And then do I focus on building others up through my faith so that God can build them up in theirs? Do you hear the mindset shift? Adam blamed even God for the problem. And God is saying, are you looking for ways for me to work in you and through you? Are you looking for ways to encourage and love other people? Are you looking for those things? Are you connected to him deep enough that you'll actually receive that communication of what you are called to do and to serve? So where does this come down to now? The very first thing I did was I asked you a question. And the question is, am I willing to grow? Am I willing to grow? And that starts right here, right now, in this place. Is no longer a question. It needs to be a statement and a decision of your faith. And you say, I want movement, God. I want movement. I am willing to grow. I, God, I am willing to grow. I am willing to become the person that you're calling to be. I am willing to set aside my own ego. I'm willing to set aside my own pride. I'm willing to let go of the stuff that I'm, I'm comfortable with because I choose today. I am willing to grow. I want what you want for me. I don't want what I want for me. I want more than what I can do for myself. I choose today and I say I am willing to grow. Stand with me. Because see, I love this song. I love how God works through the music that we have in this place. You want to plant seeds in the avenue for the future? You want to plant seeds into the future of your home? You want to plant a legacy into the future of your life? You want to plant seeds into your children and your grandchildren to seven generations? You say today, I am willing to grow today. Whatever your first step is, whatever your next step is, it doesn't matter because what matters is that you decide today. I am willing to grow and I will stand on this stage and you will stand in that spot and I will say, I am willing to grow. I'm willing to grow to become who God called me to be. I want God to help me help my wife to be who she's supposed to be. The kids that I talk to, the people that we see, the people that we work with. Today I choose. I am willing to grow now and God will be faithful and he will support you and he will encourage you and he will bring people around you so that you can become the person that he's calling you to be. So you can serve his purpose and then we will all see the amazing fruit of the work that God does and he will be faithful and we are blessed to receive and participate in that
So pray with me, everybody, all across the room, no matter what your first step is. If your first step is to come to Jesus, now is the time. You say, I'm willing to grow. Pray with me now. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I trust you to fulfill your promises. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to dig deep roots. Encourage me in your love. And today, I declare that I am willing to grow in the way you want me to grow for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.